Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to kick off the second half of the show is author Renee Rosen. We're going to talk about her historical novel, Park Avenue Summer. It's been described as Mad Men meets The Devil Wears Prada, as Renee Rosen draws readers into the glamour of 1965 New York City and Cosmopolitan Magazine, where a brazen new editor-in-chief, Helen Gurley Brown, shocks America by daring to talk to women about all things off-limits. It's my pleasure to welcome to to today's show, Renee Rosen. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Renee. Hi. Good to be here. Congratulations on your book. Maybe we could kick it off by, you could give us a backstory about how you decided to write this. So I had been binge-watching Mad Men, (laughs) and I just, just fell in love with New York during that time period, and I was searching for another sort of glamorous field to set a story in. You know, and advertising obviously had been done. So I started thinking about magazines. And originally, I'd actually planned on doing just a purely fictional magazine with all fictional characters. And I was talking with my editor, and it, it just sort of struck us both like, uh, hello, Helen Gurley Brown, Cosmo. Right. So. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh... What what were some of the surprises? I'm assuming there were some surprises along the way mm-hmm. as you were writing this. Um, just how um, I didn't. I first of all, I thought she had started Cosmopolitan. I didn't realize that Cosmopolitan magazine had been around since the 1800s, and Hearst was really not too thrilled to have Helen Gurley Brown step into the shoes of editor-in-chief, especially <laughs> since she had never edited a magazine and she had never worked at a magazine. Wow. Really, all she had done was, in 1962, wrote this very scandalous bestseller called Sex and the Single Girl. And the conservative gatekeepers at Hearst, yeah. were their biggest fear was that she was going to turn the magazine into her book. Yes. Uh, you know, which is exactly what she did. Unbelievable. And um, so, without giving too much away, could you give us a glimpse into the book? So, um, because so much had already been written about Helen Gurley Brown, there were several biographies and all, I wanted to be able to bring something new to the, to the story. So, I invented a young girl who leaves her small Midwestern town um, to go to New York in 1965 to chase her own dreams and ends up becoming Helen's secretary in the very early days when she first takes over at Cosmopolitan. And you just sort of see how Helen's hands were tied behind her back the whole time. And um, But in the same way, you also get to see what the exposure to a woman like Helen Gurley Brown, what that impact had on a young girl who arrives to the city kind of wide-eyed and learns that she learns a, a trick or two from Helen about how to conduct her own life as a single woman. I know, because life in the 60s, what was that like for people that are not familiar with New York 1960? Well, so the Upper East Side was actually called the girls' ghetto because oh. there were so many young single women that were flocking to New York to, you know, it was one of the first times that women could actually pursue careers. And, you know, we're into the second wave of feminism where, you know, women realize I don't have to just be a housewife. Right. You know, I don't have to duplicate my mother and my grandmother's uh, lives. I can go out there and do something on my own. And that was very empowering for women, very intimidating for men. Um, and, you know, New York was a place that just offered those kind of opportunities. 
I I moved to New York City in uh, 1971. Um, okay. my, my mother was single, and I noticed a certain like empowerment to her. You know, like she was doing all these different things. I mean, I was very young, but um, mm-hmm. I know that she was uh, very, very independent and definitely a feminist. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, there were just so many more opportunities that a woman was going to have in a place like New York than you know, like my character would have had in Youngstown, Ohio. Right. Well, just the people alone, I mean, the whole, I mean, Times Square, you know, in the 60s, 70s, how it evolved, and then just mm-hmm. the people and the things that were going on w- was really interesting. Yeah, it was a uh, really interesting time there. What else would you like people to know about your book? You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that I realize, I mean, I grew up with Cosmopolitan. You know, I had yeah. an older sister. I always took her issues and flipped to the bedside astrologer and all that. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited that this is an opportunity for younger readers who maybe aren't familiar with Helen Gurley Brown or don't know anything about her to become familiar with a feminist icon who really had more impact on all of our lives than we probably even realize. Now, uh, could you talk about, uh, this was intriguing to me, the truth about the bosom mem- memo Helen sent <laughs> to female staff? <laughs> yes. So, Helen Gurley Brown, you know, for all of her wonderful ideas, she had a couple that were not maybe quite as, as stellar. And so she had issued a very confidential uh, memo to her girl staffers because she wanted to do a piece on you know, uh, bosoms, mm-hmm. and and she would pronounce them bosoms, and um, and what women appreciated and enjoyed during sex and what they didn't. And it, someone leaked the memo to Women's Wear Daily, oh, no. and they published it, <laughs> and they lampooned her. And this is sort of uh, retribution for an earlier piece that Nora Ephron had done on uh, sort of the ladies who lunch. For women, uh, and sort of spoofed Women's Wear Daily in Cosmopolitan. Oh, so funny. I think Women's Wear Daily got the last laugh on that. So funny. Um, and yeah. then there was another uh, thing I wanted to ask, how the idea for sex and the single girl actually came from her husband, David Brown, after yes. they were married. How did that come about? So this is so ironic because she wrote Sex and the Single Girl when she was married. And what David Brown and, and Helen took two years to, to reel him in, and David Brown, who was this big Hollywood producer, said to Helen, you know, you were the most fascinating, marvelous single woman I ever dated. You should really write a book on that. And that's where it came from. And, you know, it sold like two million copies in the first month. She was the darling of TV and radio shows, even though the host couldn't say the name over the air. <laughs> Uh, it was very, very controversial stuff there. Now, uh, there were a lot of different influencers in uh, in Helen's orbit. Uh, what, Nora Ephron, Judith Krantz, who else? Yeah, uh, Liz, uh, Liz Smith. Oh, Hugh Hefner. Uh, yeah, definitely Hugh Hefner. Um, you know, she sort of modeled um, parts of Cosmo after Playboy, and one of my favorite scenes in the book is when Hugh Hefner comes to visit her at her office. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Scavulo, Francesca Scavulo is also a big influencer. Wow. Um, you know, Jacqueline Suzanne, that was her, her pal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even before Valley of the Dolls came out, the, the two of them were sort of always palling around together. 
It sounds like you had a really good time uncovering all this research into her oh, life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I had so much fun writing this book, probably more than any of the other books. This one was, was the most fun. That's great, because sometimes it can be, you know, tough, you know, drudgery <laughs> when you, yeah. you're writing something. I, Go ahead. I actually got really, really lucky. I was introduced to a woman who regarded Helen Gurley Brown as her second mother, and Lois Cahal gave me so much information and shared stories with me about Mommy Helen and, you know, how her stockings were always run. She always had tears and runs in her stockings oh. and fishnets and how she used to eat her salads with her fingers and, <laughs> you know, just some of the outrageous advice she would give Lois. And, so funny. You know, but it, it made me feel like I sort of knew Helen and Girlie Brown in a way. Sure. It's great. You got, like, the inside scoop from somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was a gift from the writing gods. You bet. <laughs> so, with based on your experience writing this book, do you feel like you want to find... You have your next project lined up? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working on that and getting ready to turn in a first draft. Um, it's called uh, The Social Graces. It's also set in New York, but back in the Gilded Age, when Mrs. Astor and Alva Vanderbilt were vying for control of New York society. Interesting. That should be a great one. Yeah, really fun material. Where did you uh, end up doing a lot of your research? Uh, for, for this book. Uh, for Park Avenue Summer? Yeah. Um, I went to New York. I had lived in New York um, for a very short period of time, but it was important for me to go back there and sort of put myself in the mindset of this character, Alice Weiss. So I, you know, went Port Authority and tried to, you know, just imagine that dizzying experience of first arriving in the city and actually, um, you know, found the apartment that she would have lived in on the Upper East Side and, you know, got a feel for that. But also, you know, really tough work, but I had to go to all of Helen's haunts, like the Russian Tea Room and 21 oh, Club that's and tough. the St. Regis. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, so lots of, lots of uh, cocktailing around town. Oh, that's um, great. you got to do but, it. It's part of the research oh, yeah. required. And, you know, and Helen took the bus every day to work. So I went to her apartment building on Park Avenue where she had lived back then and actually saw the bus route that she would have taken down to her office. And, you know, I, I just really tried to put myself back in their, in their world and their time period. I feel like this could be a film, Renee. Oh, from your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really envision it. I mean, and I actually had a... Some people contact me on Facebook when I posted this, uh, saying, oh, I can't wait to read this book. So, oh, that's wonderful. So what's your website for people to get more information about it? Uh, ReneeRosen.com. Okay, that's simple. And I put yeah. all the info on my show blog, which is get the Oh, Fun- terrific. Yeah, it's getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Um, any advice for people that are writers that, uh, you know, they're having a tough, I call it a funk, a tough time, you know, getting through the material, getting inspired. Yeah, I I mean, everybody will tell you, read, write, read, write, but one thing that I think we always leave out of this equation is to believe it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You just have to really, you know, I was like a dog with a bone, you know, Mm -hmm. I just would not give up. I think I had queried like 300 people. You know, 300 agents before yes. someone took a chance on me. And, you know, all it takes is one. Right. So you've got to believe and use whatever tricks you have to use to, you know, visualize it and feel it happening. 
because um, you're the only one that can take you out of that game. You bet. You know, it's funny you say this because I was thinking about this this morning in my own life, how if you're passionate enough about something, then it shows completely. And when you're describing what you're doing, it shows and people get enthusiastic. Yeah, I think it, it becomes sort of contagious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Is there any last bit of info you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, just, uh, you know, keep supporting books and authors. Um, you know, storytelling's never going away. <laughs> the format may change, but, right. um, you know, we so appreciate it, and I truly appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Renee, and congratulations. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling in. Have a great day. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. That was author Renee Rosen calling in to talk about her historical novel, Park Avenue Summer. And if you missed any part of this or you want to find out more about the book, I have everything on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We'll take a little break, and then uh, we are going to feature another film for the Newport Beach Film Festival. And Jack Murgatroyd is calling in to talk about the film Part of Water that he produced with Tim Burnham. And it's about veteran lifeguard Ben Carlson, who lost his life while attempting an intense rescue. And again, this is uh, showing at the Newport Beach Film Festival, and we're going to talk more about that. Right now, you can watch the trailer, which is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We'll be back in just a second. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.